Welcome everyone. It is Meg, the marketing executive for Pace New South Wales and Vic. Welcome to Pin and Point Recruitment Podcast, a female-led recruitment podcast filled with recruitment advice, job-seeking tips and market insights. Today, we're going to cover how to build a diverse and inclusive team without sacrificing selection of the best person for the job, as well as how our team can help you to do the same. So our Managing Director, Lindsay Menezes, will be covering this topic, and I can't wait to hear what she has to share. Hi listeners, I am Lindsay Menezes, MD of PaceVic and Pace New South Wales. Thank you for joining me today on Pin and Point to discuss such an important topic why diversity matters and how your recruitment process can underpin achieving a diverse and inclusive workplace. At PACE, we recruit across supply chain and logistics, procurement, manufacturing and technical operations and sales roles. I have seen firsthand the spectrum of representation in workplaces across these sectors and have observed how progressive companies that have prioritized diversity as a KPI have actually increased their attraction rates of top talent, improved retention, increased employee satisfaction and driven improvements to their bottom line. Diversity and inclusion are not just buzzwords. They should be considered a metric and supported by management teams reflecting the genuine value in obtaining and maintaining a diverse workforce. Now, this is not the first time we at PACE have addressed the importance of diversity. In March 2021, we partnered with Marie Verasso, who is the head of supply chain operations at Officeworks in Australia and pioneer for women in supply chain. We discussed how women can progress within supply chain and logistics, why diversity matters, and Marie further shared her own career growth and experience working in a male-dominated industry. I absolutely loved speaking to Marie. She is a total inspiration. And if you want to hear more, we have converted the original webinar conversation in podcast format. So please download it here from our list of episodes. So why am I bringing this topic up again? It's because I want to share with you how we at Pace Vic have managed to attain a truly diverse team. I am going to tell you how diversity has improved our performance and way of collaboration, but this podcast is going to concentrate on how I tweaked our recruitment process to ensure how I achieved a diverse team without compromising the selection of the best person for the job. So for Lindsay, what was the first step to building an inclusive team? Despite COVID, my plan for 2020 was to grow our headcount and scale the business. Despite a few setbacks, we were able to find our feet and I could really start thinking about how we were going to grow. Firstly, I identified the types of positions I would need to create the skeleton of the optimal organization. Then I got really specific in terms of what each position's responsibilities would look like. And then I started to define the attributes that would contribute to what I would call the Pace Vic poster child. At the end of the day, the common denominators of what the ideal Pacific employee would look like, regardless of their position type, came back to our organisational values, personal, authentic, conscious and excellence. When it came to responsibilities, the personality and skill profiles I would need to match to each role were varied but targeted to the position type. Why was it so important for Lindsay to place diversity at the centre of her hiring strategy? 
I was looking for like-minded colleagues that shared my vision, but I was keen to ensure that our team would represent people across a vast array of backgrounds. For me personally, my parents were migrants, making me first-generation Australian. I am female, I am a woman of colour, and I'm under 30 running my own business. In many categories, I do represent a minority, but I know what I have to offer, and I present a perspective that is different derived from my own background and experience. I can connect with people from diverse backgrounds that perhaps others have more difficulty seeing eye to eye with. I know my strengths and I know my limitations, which has helped me network and find mutually beneficial commercial outcomes through partnering with people with different skills. If I know that I come with a set of unique skills, experience, um, interpretations, networks and way of communication, then of course everyone else does. From a work perspective, I wanted to make sure that I was working in an environment that was rich with other people's experiences, rich with their perspectives, methodologies, skills, and abilities. We specifically recruit within the international trade and logistics sectors, which means the global, the, there is a global landscape and a huge portion of our candidates are migrants. If we were going to be truly effective in building client and candidate networks, it was important that we understood them. And that meant hiring a diverse team that our audience could truly relate to and resonate with. What connection is there between business success and operating with a diverse and inclusive team? When you grow a team, you want for their success. When you run a business, you want to ensure that you will generate positive results to your bottom line through your people. I wanted to lead and be part of a high-performing culture that would generate financial results as much as I wanted a team to enrich our culture and identity. Now, there are a lot of facts supporting that diversity and inclusion is not just a nice to have. It is a metric that should be taken seriously. The Boston Consulting Group studied 1,700 different companies that range in size, industry, and global geographical location. The study showed that organizations that have a diverse management team had 19% higher revenue due to innovation. In McKinsey's 2020 Diversity and Inclusion Report, they found that companies with more than 30% women executives were more likely to outperform companies with a range of 10 to 30%, meaning that their results wiped out companies that had lesser representation of women or none at all within management roles. According to Josh Burson's research, inclusive companies are 1.7 times more likely to be innovation leaders in their market. And the Harvard Review backs this up, finding that more diverse teams are able to solve problems faster than cognitively similar people. There is also overwhelming support for the fact that diverse and inclusive workplaces create for higher employee engagement and retention. Well, that all sounded exactly like what I wanted for the team at Pace Vic. A key challenge any recruitment business faces, particularly if they're small, is growth through headcount. Our industry pain point is our shortage of strong talent, only emphasised by the reduction in migration due to COVID-19. To take the business to the next step, I targeted to grow from a team of just one, which was literally me in January 2020, to a team of five by July 2021. As I mentioned, I wanted to grow a team that resembled our diverse network of clients and candidates that were genu genuinely relatable. This resulted in me ensuring that our recruitment processes were underpinned by the promotion of diversity and inclusivity. Retention starts from the recruitment process. The goal was to retain a high-performing, diverse team of individuals that prioritised collaboration, delivering to a high standard of work and ethics above all. So I needed to rec recreate our recruitment process from the ground up to attract the right people in. 
As recruiters, we should know more than anyone that diverse and inclusive teams are formed at the hiring stage. For PACE, part one of making this change was in how we communicate, whether it's online, to each other, or through our job ads. The first point of change was our advertisement writing. Our previous advertisements were KPI focused and used traditionally masculine associated words like strong, competitive, driven, ambitious, and lead. After researching how masculine worded job advertisements hindered diverse applications, particularly preventing women from applying, I looked into writing gender neutral job advertisements that allowed me to make some necessary adjective swaps. I also ditched the experienced must-haves for preferred values and attitudes, highlighting the commitment to support and train. Now, don't get me wrong, this by no means is to say that women can't be strong, competitive and ambitious. When I think of some of the strongest people I know, they are women, and I'm sure you can resonate with that too. However, research has shown that the words you use in your job advertisements can directly affect the interest of female applicants. Researchers Goucher, Friesen and Kay from Waterloo and Duke Universities began studying how men and women themselves use language differently, which has resulted in the perception of certain traits being male or female. Part of their study reviewed whether the presence of gender-themed words in a job ad would affect the spread of applicants between men and women. Before we get into the study, let me share some feminine words that can be used in job ads. So these include uh, support, share, understand, committed, collaborate. These are all excellent examples. Now, back to the study, women within the study overall preferred to apply for job ads with feminine wording. But what was more surprising was that if feminine wording was present in job ads representing positions that were traditionally male-dominated, as in male-dominated type role, not a lot of women generally, but feminine words were used within that, um, what actually happened was women started to apply. They were way more inclined and found that role much more attractive. So on the flip side of that, women were not as likely to apply for roles which had a dominance of masculine wording, even if the job ad was representing a position that women had a higher presence in. So really, it just all came down to presentation of wording. Funnily enough, men were happy to apply for anything with only a small preference for jobs that had more masculine wording. In my own experience... I have seen thousands of applications and women in general are very considered when they apply for roles. They feel the need to match all criteria before they apply. I've had countless conversations with male applicants who weren't quite the right fit for a role, who have optimistically replied to my rejection with, yeah, no problem. I knew I didn't quite fit, but I thought I'd try anyway. I have on the other side of that spoken to many women who I've encouraged to apply for roles that have met my advances with, oh, I'm not sure if I tick all the boxes or... I didn't apply uh, just because that role didn't sound like me. In a nutshell, you aren't going to lose out on male applicants if you increase the use of feminine words throughout your job ads, but you will increase the attraction of female applicants based on studies. Recruitment industry as a whole has a progressive gender balance. Were my previous job ads deterring women from applying? I worked with Meg, our marketing exec, to create job ads that were more gender neutral, favoring male-dominated words whenever necessary or wherever it felt appropriate, but I also consciously increased feminine words, which honestly I had never really noticed I was missing previously. Interestingly, when I spoke to female applicants about why they applied for our roles after implementing this change or why a job stood out to them, they all said in one way or another that the role seemed to fit their profile from more than just a skills match. They made assumptions of our environment, which made them feel more inclined to apply. 
I always ask the same question of applicants before we change our ad writing. And now I can see that the level of excitement was not quite there before. I actually went through our archived adverts before recording this podcast and saw that actually the vast majority of respondents were men. Your ad writing is critical if you want to attract high quality applicants. Job ads are one of the best ways to advertise your business. So using language that will resonate with a diverse group of people is a step in the right direction if you want to attract the best talent for the role from diverse areas. Part two of creating a diverse team at Pace meant changing our hiring mindset. So we have our applicants. Now it's shortlisting time and the most exciting part of the recruitment process, to me anyway, has always been interviewing. Now I follow a strict process when I interview candidates to generally register with PACE and when I interview on behalf of my clients, we are even more strict, making sure that we use um, evidence-based questions to elicit whether that candidate is appropriately competent um, and a cultural fit. But when I interviewed for potential pay staff, well, that could be a bit of a hot mess. All of these big no's of interviewing that I would never dream to apply when interviewing on behalf of a client, I allowed when I interviewed for myself. And this came from a place of just becoming complacent. Let me explain. I basically allowed for gut feel to take over. I interviewed on likability and not skill. I'm actually mortified to even admit that because it was so wrong, but If you don't think that my prior approach is a big deal, or maybe that's the way you interview, let's talk about why it's hindering getting your team the best person for the role. Letting gut feel take over your interview style means that you could miss a game-changing potential employee if they don't fit your preferred outlook and qualitative preferences. Moreover, if you have multiple people in your organization who are responsible for conducting interviews, then each and every individual will have differing preferred outlooks and qualitative preferences, leading to inconsistencies in what decision makers believe is the ideal fit for your organization. We as people are all different. We come from different backgrounds, socioeconomic statuses, religions, sexual preferences, and cultural factors, which mean that if you leave your team to take reign of hiring for gut feel, then you will have a concoction of poorly thought out hires. If you yourself are the only person responsible for interviewing and have the final say in the process and you hire on gut feel, then you generally are hiring for likability, which ends up meaning you choose people who are just like you. And that might be okay with your friendship group, but it's certainly not the optimal strategy to build an innovative, progressive, profitable organization. Gut feel equals bias. As I said before, I have hired for likability. And it has not worked out in the interest of my business or the individual. Sure, the candidates have been um, likable. You know, they transitioned into becoming PACE employees. And socially, we could get along. But those hires did not turn out to be strategically beneficial. And mutually, they didn't really think that PACE Vic was the right environment for them either. As a small business, we cannot afford to make the mistake of hiring the wrong people. The effects of turnover is huge on our bottom line. And my time and my my team's time is valuable and therefore lost with turnover. Further to that, the impact on team morale is also a major issue. To combat this, interviews needed to become more standardized across the way we ask questions and the order in which they were asked so that gut feel was eradicated. We focused on administering questions that were all evidence eliciting, 50% targeted for skills and experience and the other 50% for values and motivations. We conduct three interviews with one person across all three for consistency and introduce additional team members to ensure culture fit. 
Candidates are assessed on a rating scale on how they answered the questions, um, and that is across the first two interviews. Their scores are added up so that we could directly compare them. We completely walked away from asking questions like, what are your weaknesses? And instead, we asked questions where the candidate needs to use a STAR method. So for those who don't know, S stands for situation, T for task, A for action, and R for result. Instead of what are your weaknesses, we would ask, tell us about a time where you identified an area for development and worked through this to make it an area of strength. Instead of just listing weaknesses, the applicant now demonstrates that they are self-aware of a weakness and communicates how they have used initiative to turn around that weakness, rather than just listing perhaps what they think you want to hear. When I first started at PaceVic, I actually did take the interview process seriously. Um, it was actually after the first couple of hires that I became complacent because I thought, well, I get this process. My gut feels probably correct. Now, I'd say most of you know Jessie Benici, our head of BD. Jessie was one of my first hires, and Jessie and I often joke that socially her and I are so different, with both of us laughing about the fact that we're actually unsure that if we would, actually, if, if we would be friends if we didn't meet at work. Um, if I had not taken the interview process seriously and hired on gut feel, Jessie might not be sitting here today, but I did do it properly. I asked evidence eliciting questions and Jessie, to no one's surprise, aced all of her answers. Jessie was that game-changing person to my business that maybe I might have missed out on. I actually shudder to think. Part three is our use of aptitude and personality testing and specifically how we use those results. Aptitude testing and personality profiling has become a mandatory function of our recruitment process. There is huge evidence to suggest that testing improves diversity in the workplace to better identify skill and personality gaps within the organisation. Aptitude testing has ensured a minimum standard of skill. However, personality profiling has ensured that we look to balance the people that work for PaceVic to ensure harmony and collaboration. The profile also gives insight into the candidate's best working style so that we can cater flexibility to allow for a more inclusive workplace. At Pace Vic and Pace New South Wales, we use talent dynamic tests. These tests have four main energies that comprise each profile and each energy has a percentage associated with it. I do aim to review that for every hire, we maintain some level of balance so that our people aren't overly skewed towards one certain personality type as we need to leverage others' skills to best propel our success forward. 80% of Fortune 500 firms and 75% of organisations featured in Time's Best Companies to Work For have implemented psychometric testing, which demonstrates the belief globally that top-tier companies believe that testing has an important role in securing top talent. It is important to note that hiring assessments do not discriminate against minorities because they are objective. They do not see colour, gender or attractiveness. Research has shown that companies that use personality and psychometric testing are more racially diverse. When you use these tools, you are advocating to attract candidates on what they know rather than who they know, which means that minority groups are not impacted adversely. The impact to diversity in recreating our recruitment process has exceeded my initial expectations. We have now grown to a team of nine people with 77.7% .7 of our current workforce identifying as female, with 28.6% of those being mothers who have returned to work, 33.3% are people of colour, another 33.3% are from regional Australia, 55.5% have migrant parents, and 22.2% identify as part of the LGBTQI plus community. 
Our recruitment process has led to everyone's individual role being catered to their strength and they bring experience, perspective, cultural background and personality to complement us as a collective. Team buy-in is high with our confidentially run employee engagement survey rating us five out of five for whether employees felt they belonged at pace. Our growth in sales was up 103%. Um, for the last four months since I had scaled my team and we continuously drive to grow our market share through our people that I can proudly and accurately say reflect our network of candidates and clients. The result of having such a diverse team that all have a seat at the table at Pace has allowed for a richness of ideas and innovations where we have a weekly meeting to discuss how we can continue to evolve ourselves to provide our customers with the best experience. Thank you so much to everyone who has tuned in. I hope you've learned something from our experience. And if you are a hiring manager looking to tweak your recruitment process to encourage the best people to apply for for your role and promote diversity and inclusion within the workplace, please add me on LinkedIn or email me at lindsay at pacevic.com.au. That is L-I-N-D-S-E-Y at P-A-C-E-V-I-C.com.au. It has been a pleasure presenting and I look forward to catching you next time. Bye for now. As always, such an insightful podcast from Lindsay. I can back up everything she has to say about working within such a diverse team and having so many people of different backgrounds. It's a great way to have a number of perspectives and different ideas brought to the table. If you enjoyed today's podcast or if you need support when it comes to including more diversity throughout your hiring strategy, we're the people to contact. As Lindsay said, connect with her on LinkedIn today or connect with any one of us on LinkedIn. We'd love to hear from you. As always, we'd love to see you leave some reviews or subscribe to our channel if you want to keep up to date with future podcasts. Thanks, guys. Thanks, guys.